Welcome to From Beer to the Bible with your host, Urban Lee. Each week, you'll hear stories from Urban's road to sobriety and steps you can take to help you or a loved one find healing through Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, Urban Lee. Good evening. This is your host, Urban Lee of From Beer to the Bible. You can find information about the book at FromBeerToTheBible.com. You can find more information about Hampton Ministries at HamptonMinistries.org. I got friend of the show, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi. (laughs) And guess what? We got Anika. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, Good. Anika's our guest. But first, let me anchor us and invite the Lord in. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to help those who are suffering from addiction and bless us, lead us, guide us, and let us speak nothing of ourselves, but only what the Holy Spirit gives to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Anika, it is great to finally meet you. I heard a lot about you via a friend of the show, Miss Sarah. Oh, I love Sarah. Uh, We all do. She was the first person I thought of whenever you... Aww. Said that you wanted to do a women in recovery. Yeah. So say more about that. Why did you think of Anika first? Anika just exudes um, authenticity, vulnerability, and recovery in everything that she does. Okay. Um, she loves to talk about it. She loves to talk about how Jesus has been working in her life. Yeah. And we're just so excited that you're here. Yes. You. That That's a great intro. So yes. say more, Miss uh, Anika, about your your testimony and and some of the things that you've gone to, through that you would like to share with our listeners. Well, thank you. I'm so grateful to be on the show and thank you, Sarah. Um so I, you know, a little bit about my testimony. I grew up in a home where um my parents had been divorced. I had two sides, mom's side was mm-hmm. stepdad and dad's side was stepmom and there was different sides of the family and um you know, growing up in that, I remember just feeling torn mm-hmm. a lot. Um, one thing that I'm realizing now, like I just now am like my eyes are opening to my story. I forgot a lot of things that happened growing up, but mm-hmm. um, is growing up, I was not, um, God was not shared with me. Jesus was not shared with me at all. That was not okay. something that we did. We went to church like on Christmas or Easter uh-huh. or whatever, got dressed up. Yeah. My grandmother loved God, but it wasn't a relationship that I was taught, right? That okay. I could have a relationship that I could talk to him and be my friend. Mm-hmm. And growing up, when my dad um, ended up with um, his family, who he's still with today, and we, I had stepsisters, half-sisters. Yeah. What I just realized recently was that, um, that I watched my dad... And as much as he tried, and and when I say any of this, this is not to blame anyone for right. what I ended up. I chose the direction that I that I went on. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So all right. So I went uh, growing up seeing my dad with my stepmom. I always felt like I just did. I do a lot of trauma work. Mm-hmm. I do a lot. I do a lot of work on the on my trauma. Yes. Um. And what I realized was watching my dad. I felt like an outsider. I felt like. Mm-hmm. And this just came up at a program that I went to um, that my dad chose my stepmom. Ah, right. Okay, yeah. I grew up thinking that my dad chose another woman. I felt like the mistress in a way, but mm-hmm. not in, in a, you know, not in that kind of way, but in a yeah. way of we couldn't talk at a certain point because of my addiction and because of my manipulative ways and all these yeah. things. Right. Um, I kind of felt like the outsider a mm-hmm. lot. And I felt like he chose her. Yeah. And I have, I'm going to get emotional a little bit here. Okay. I have played that out my entire life. Mm-hmm. I have chosen people who are going to choose her. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yes, and so 
through mm. that, that has brought me a lot of pain, a mm-hmm. lot of chasing, a lot yeah. of masters. Yeah. If that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. Masters, yeah. including alcohol, uh, drugs, mm-hmm. um, uh, men. Yeah. Um, accepting less than what I deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, low self-esteem, all of these things. Right. So, yeah. um, my mom married someone who, you know, was amazing, but there were some things there and, and, yeah. you know, they did the best they could, but yeah. the way that my childlike, um, mind yeah. took everything was a lot of trauma. Right. Yeah. I, you know, um, the way that I perceived it was, a was, you know, less than nurturing and a lot of stuff. Right. So yeah. probably around 13, 14, I started drinking, got mm-hmm. into that. That made me feel like something, yeah. right? Like yeah. you, this alcohol was not going to leave me and choose something else. Yeah. My mom wasn't going to choose him and she wasn't like all these things, right? Mm-hmm. This alcohol played a very important role in making me feel whole and loved and yeah. important. All of the core wounds that I grew up with of feeling unlovable, feeling unimportant, mm-hmm. feeling less than. So this alcohol and drugs made me feel that way, right? right? Um, it got worse. It progressed into fi- um, cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you go on and on with, with the progression until I ended in um, with meth, which took me down pretty quickly. Yeah. And like I said, I didn't have a relationship with God, didn't have any kind of, yeah. you know, no kind of relationship there. But on the day that I turned 19, my mom tricked me into going to treatment uh-huh. um, with my stepdad and told me that we were going to go shopping because okay. one way that I was shown love was by someone buying me stuff. They yeah. bought me things. That was their love. Yeah. Right. That was their affection. And she tricked me, um, told me we were going shopping and out to eat for my birthday. Mm-hmm. That was the only way they were going to get me there. Ended up dropping me off at a place called Timberlawn. Sarah probably remembers Timberlawn. <laughs> yeah. I was there for seven days okay. and told my mom I hated her. I said, I will never forgive you. Uh-huh. Um, and I mean, at this point, I weighed 85 pounds. Whoa. Um, I had lost everything. I had sold everything. Um, my life was centered around the master meth. Like it was just, that was my life, right? Yeah. And went into detox, told her I hated her. She said, well, I'd rather you hate me than to watch you die. Yeah. Still didn't have a relationship with God, didn't know anything about God. And... When you said long suffering, it's yeah. funny because when you prayed, you know, thank you, God, for the long suffering with yeah. us. Um, throughout my entire life, God has always had his hand on me, even yeah. when I didn't know him. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. He had his hand on me in when I was putting myself in really dangerous situations. Yeah. He had his hand on me when I was getting in bed with people yeah. that I shouldn't have been getting in bed with. And he never left me. He didn't judge me. He didn't walk away. Yeah. But I didn't understand that at the time. Yeah. Um, and so I stayed in detox for seven days, Okay, got out. They told me to go. I was 19. They told me to go to, um, they brought AA in, into the rooms, but they told me to go to sober living. And so they yeah. were like, I went and did this interview. They were like, oh, she's never going to make it. Y'all can forget it. She's too cute. She thinks she's too cute. Yeah. She's 19. <laughs> she is. Y- y'all don't know. Uh, we're not going to accept her. And they said, no. Out. Yeah, they had counted me out. Everyone had counted me out. Everybody at my home group counted me out. They were like, uh-huh. yeah, right. Like, you're going to get. They called me the lipstick um, baby at the, at all the groups. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, think I'm 19. I, Back then, 26 years ago, people were not getting yeah, sober, sober at 19 years at old. At 19. They just no, weren't. not at all. Yeah. So I, I went to sober living. I ended up, they said no. And my mom called them and said, oh, no. 
Y'all are going to let her in. Yeah. And they did, and they let me in. And I remember sitting in, like, they have these meetings. Like, he was talking about steel on steel. They didn't have steel on steel, but they had a a house meeting. And Mm -hmm. I remember, because I carried a lot of shame and guilt of the things that I did, because when when you don't love yourself, you do things to yourself that you normally wouldn't do. And if you don't know the love of God, then, of course, you're going to treat yourself badly. And I didn't know the love of God because I didn't know who he was. And I sat down in that meeting, and they were like, tell us a little bit. And I just go into burst into tears with, I had an abortion. Uh-huh. I had had an abortion probably six months before I got um, sober. And yeah. these women, I had always felt like the outsider, never mm-hmm. felt like I fit in. And when I s- sat in this room with this women, these women that were getting sober, and I said I had an abortion, they were all had tears. Yeah. And they said, me too. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I felt the love of God, but didn't know I had felt the love of God at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, was introduced to the steps, was told to get a sponsor. I stayed yeah. in sober living for 18 months, okay. changed my life. Yeah. Um, I stayed for boyfriend. During that time, I had a boyfriend that I mo- made sure he moved into the Oxford house down the street. Mm-hmm. Very unhealthy. It was the begin. Well, it yeah. was the middle of my codependency career. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just started working the steps. And to be honest with you, God started putting me around people that, loved Jesus. Mm-hmm. Not just loved him, loved but him. loved Jesus mm-hmm. and would talk about Jesus. And they took me to these churches where I would go into this church and I was still working the steps. I had yeah. a sponsor. I was going to meetings all the time engulfed in the fellowship. And I go in and I'm at these churches and, um, you know, mind you, I did not have a relationship with God. So yeah. I go into these churches that are Pentecostal mm-hmm. Baptist <clears throat> And I'm sitting there and they're running and they're mm-hmm. doing all this stuff. And they would be like every <laughs> single time the pastor would like hone in on me. Yeah. I'm going to get emotional because God had his hand on me a long time ago. Yeah. Go ahead. So he, the pastor would hone in on me and be like, I need to pray for you. Yeah. Next thing I know, I'm on the floor, passed yeah. out. Yeah. Holy Spirit has taken over. And yeah. I'm like, just freaked out. It was super freaky to me, you know, uh-huh. but I'm still going to meetings. I'm still, you know, because Had it not been for the 12 steps and me doing that fourth and fifth step Mm -hmm. and making my amends and clearing out that plumb line to God. Yeah. I don't know that I would have gotten had the same experience. And I think that I feel like God allowed me to go through that process so that I could easily walk someone else through the same process to find him instead of being like, all you got to do is walk up to the altar and get prayed for. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people that have walked up to the altar. I did for my codependency and relationships after I got. You know, after my, you know, I've, God, you know, kind of took me in and saved me and I mm-hmm. did, I got baptized again. When it came to relationships, I kept going up to the altar and being like, God, please let me stop talking to him. Because yeah. it was a married man at this time. Uh-huh. And I'm like, God, please. And he didn't take it away. Yeah. He wouldn't take, I was like, yeah. I was like so frustrated. Uh-huh. But what I've learned, and when you said long suffering, I'm going to go back to that, is that yeah. recently, I mean, I've been through a lot of stuff in the last, I've been sober for 26 years now. Yeah. Oh, praise God. And I talk about God and I talk about Jesus a lot. No matter mm-hmm. who makes, I used to cringe at the name Jesus. Yeah. Literally, somebody would say Jesus and I just was like, oh my God, you judgmental, nasty. Ugh. Yeah. Like, I just didn't want to hear it. I felt automatically judged by that name. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that I no longer feel that. Yeah. If it wasn't for the name of Jesus, like yeah. I would not be sitting here. When yeah. I was in the darkest, darkest places of my life. Yeah. All I had to do was say his name yeah, and I could go to sleep. Yeah. 
that doesn't just happen. Yeah. That's something that it's not coincidence. It's Mm-mm. not, um, uh oh, didn't know that was going to happen. It's literally, um, it was the Holy Spirit. Let, let, let me interject right here because there's power in that name and we have to always realize it. I have a 911 prayer that mm-hmm. I always pray and it's very simple. It's Jesus help me. Amen. Mm-hmm. I can pray that in the darkest hour. And like you said, he shows up and it's amazing. And for our listeners, I know some of you are like, well, what does that mean? It's really for me, indescribable, mm-hmm. but there's a peace that comes over my soul, right? Your mind, your will, and emotions, and you can only get that by calling on the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you have to be—I believe—you have to be ready and believe that yes. it will happen. Yes. That I don't think it just somebody tells you to do it and you just no. You know, you're just like, oh, I felt that. You know, I think it's—you um, don't have to believe it immediately, but yeah. when the more that you believe it, the more you see the result. Right? Mm-hmm. For me, it happened. And when you say, um, just help, you know, Jesus, just help me. Um, I have a story about that prayer in that, um, first of all, I founded a organization, a nonprofit called Simply Grace. Okay. And that came out of all of my situations have been born. All of my, the beautiful things in my life have been born out of pain. Yeah. I was, like I said, talking to, I was Mm. dating a, or I don't even know what you would call it, a married man. And Mm -hmm. I had gone to Friendship West Baptist Church. Freddie Haynes was preaching and. I'm sure you know what a rhema uh, word is, yeah. but I was sitting there and I had just blocked the guy again for the millionth time yeah. because it's just like wanting to use. Yeah. You think that you can stop, you wake up with every intention and just like in the second step, the insanity yeah. um, of today, I'm not going to do it. Intention. Yeah. And I can, and I would tell people that, and I believed it. You could yeah. put me on a lie detector and I believed I was not going to talk to him again. Just like I believed I was not going to use meth that day again. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I go, uh, I go to church and I had blocked him and I'm sitting there. I'm like, maybe I was too dramatic in blocking him. Maybe I shouldn't have blocked yeah. him. Blah, blah, blah. I'm questioning myself. And Freddie Haynes never, he, like he, he didn't really call people up to do altar calls a lot, but this uh-huh. day he called people up. And as I'm walking up to the front, he said, if you have to block his number, if you have to do whatever you have to do to get Come to on. the next level in your life, yeah. then you need to do that. Yeah. Wow. Come on. Those type things kept happening yeah i wanted to quit smoking we were doing a a, um a um revival i mean Uh yeah a 21 day fasting and revival and i was like i'm not giving up food i got too many uh marketing events can't do that i said what do you want me to give up god i'm sitting here talking to him because by now through working the steps going to meetings helping other people our relationship through the 11th step continued to seek god you know i'm continuing to to seek him through prayer meditation our relationship has gotten pretty tight right yeah so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm not giving up food for the next 21 days. Not happening. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, cigarettes. You're like, I'm like, uh-uh. you like no, like, I'm not yeah. giving up yeah. cigarettes because right. I was like, no, I've yeah. given up every, not that. Yeah. And he said, I will never forget it. He was like sitting right here. And he said, I will take, I could see black smoke, like coming to my, like yeah. the temptation coming to me. And he said, I will. And he got his hand. I could see his hand, the visual. He said, I'll take the taste out of your mouth. I'll be like your best friend. Anytime you crave it, I'll take it from you. Yeah. Haven't smoked a a cigarette since that day. That's a word. Um, How long ago was that? 10 years. It's been 10 years ago. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. And so also the God help me. 
probably about six years ago, and Sarah knows this entire story. Yeah. I started dating a guy. I had 20 years sober. He had three months sober. Uh-huh. Cute. He was 25. I'm 40. Okay. You know, we're yeah, in love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He love. looks good. I'm, you know, it, we're in love. Like, yeah. it's the worst thing Groove I could possibly back. do. Groove is back. Groove is back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this is sober, you guys. Yeah. I was sharing about it sober. 20-something uh-huh. years. I wasn't ashamed to talk about it. That's what kept me sober. You asked Quincy what kept him sober. Yeah. I can say today that the meetings, talking to sponsor, helping other people, absolutely. Yeah. But telling the truth has kept me sober. Yeah. And that's Even so, when it's ugly and dark. Yeah. And that, in, in all honesty, that is hard for us who suffer from addiction. One of the first things I had to come out is learn how to tell the truth. Sounds simple, but for Someone suffering from addiction mm-hmm. is not always an easy thing to do, to be honest, forthright, and transparent, right? Yes. Is the word. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about trauma, the work you've done around your trauma and how, mm-hmm. how that's impacted your sobriety? Absolutely. So the trauma work started when I was telling you I was dating this guy, um, you know, way younger than me. And... um the trauma work. I ended up going to the gross, to the gas station. I had just seen, I had two miscarriages with him mm-hmm. went in. You talk about trauma. I had seen, I had to look at a video where the second child had been, it was a miscarriage. Yeah. It took me all the way back to my abortion back in yeah. when I was 17. Okay. Yeah. I had a traumatic, that was traumatic for me. I ended up because people in the recovery community loved me and loved what I was doing to help other women. Yeah. Got me into a place called the bridge to recovery. I went yeah. for four weeks. I looked at all of my childhood trauma. I looked at trauma that I put myself through. I th- I see what you put on your thing, self-inflicted, right? Yes. Yeah, Some of our pain is absolutely, but God still loves us through that and oh, gives us man. grace and mercy, right? Yeah. So the trauma work that I did there, I thought I kept doing work, you know, step work and step work and writing this stuff. And I thought, God, why am I doing the same stuff in these relationships? And it was because I had all this trauma. Yeah. There's a book called The Body Keeps Score. Uh-huh. And so when I went and did this work, there's this stuff called empty chair work. There's all this stuff that you're getting this trauma, which has stayed stuck. Yeah. Which well, I told you he chose he chose her at a young age. Right. My dad yeah. chose her at a young age. So I replayed that over and over. Mm-hmm. And until I got that out mm-hmm. physically out of my body, the trauma, I couldn't move forward with my life. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't talk about the trauma. They're like, I'm not getting into all that because it in order to go through that, it is painful and it is. A yeah, lot. But I went to the gas station that day after the the, the um, miscarriage, and I said, the, my, the three words that I said was, God help me. Because mm-hmm. I was about to drink. Yeah. The pain was so intense. Yeah. And that's when I ended up going to the bridge. Mm-hmm. Recently, um, I, w- I have gone through very traumatic experience in yeah. the last three months. And I went back to a place called Onsite. Mm-hmm. Um, I went for six days okay. to do more trauma work. I've seen a trauma therapist for yeah. six years. Um, and I believe in trauma work. I want to do my own. I've talked to Sarah about it and we are going to, I believe that I want to do a, um, a, a trauma intensive out in the wilderness yeah. called like Eremos, mm-hmm. which is where you've heard of, um, it's where God would call Jesus to, to be alone with him in the wilderness. Yes. Well, there's a female version of that called Yeramea mm-hmm. and Yeramea means when you look it up, means God loosens. Mm-hmm. And I believe that you can do all the step work in the world. You yeah. can pray all you want. You can do all of these things, but if you don't work on your trauma and look at and release that stuff and mm-hmm. let it go and realize it's not your shame, yeah. you're not blaming anyone else, right? but you're realizing it's not your shame to carry around. And it doesn't, people think that trauma is only getting beat. 
and mm-hmm. having like this big explosion. Yeah. Anything less than nurturing is trauma. Yep. Mm-hmm. And as a child, you grow up thinking if this person, you have to blame yourself for what's happening in your life for not being nurtured. Right. Yeah. I just have to slide notes under my mom's door to talk to her. Okay. Yeah. Oh, That's wow. traumatic for a child. Yes, it is. Um, and immediately I had to think it's, it's, I forgot what the name of it is. But my therapist talks about it. I had to blame myself. Mm-hmm. If I would have blamed her and thought it was her fault, I wouldn't have survived. Yeah. I had to put the, cause, cause I didn't have control over her. Yeah. And if I didn't think she could take care of me as a child, I was going to lose my mind. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes you can't, you can't live. Yeah. So, um, as a child, I blamed myself. And so I grew up, but that's trauma. Yeah. There's other things that I have that have been revealed to me and God doesn't reveal it until I'm I'm I was until ready. We're ready. Yeah. He yeah. didn't reveal it to me. He doesn't put more on us than we can handle. Yeah. Right? So I am a huge advocate of trauma work. I do my work. I talk about my work. I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah. I am a woman who still struggles in and out of these rooms yeah. and I talk about it. Woo, and I'm not God. scared. That, that is so awesome. And we're going to have more with Anika on the other side. We'll be back with more of From Beer to the Bible right here on The Word, 100.7 FM. Finding addiction help is intensely personal. And the differences in options may not be immediately clear. Hampton Ministries was founded with the intent to provide people struggling with substance and behavioral issues with guidance to find the best environment for their well-being and recovery. Our main focus is to help those who use drugs and alcohol to break free and learn to cope with life circumstances. Hampton Ministries provides a rehab welcome kit to provide crucial resources to make their journey a success. Utilizing Lonnie Hampton's principles of character, work ethic, and selflessness, participants learn to hold themselves accountable. We want to help each individual obtain the life skills necessary to live a happy, successful, sober life. If you or a loved one is wrestling with substance abuse and needs help finding treatment or to donate, please visit HamptonMinistries.org. That's HamptonMinistries.org. Welcome back to From Beer to the Bible. Here's your host, Irvin Lee. Welcome back. This is your host, Irvin Lee of From Beer to the Bible. Anika, you have given us such a powerful, insightful testimony around the work that we all need to do around trauma and the importance of relationship with God. I want you to close this out, but I know you're going to receive this. As you were talking, the Holy Spirit said to me that God the Father chose you. When you said your father chose somebody else, God told me to tell you that God chose you. (laughs) Um, Well, wow, thanks. Making me cry as I close out. Thanks a lot. In all transparency, me too. It's funny that, um, that you said that because I went to... Montana about a a year ago, Sarah, and I was writing a book on codependency. And when I went to Montana, I asked God, what do you want me to write about? I said, I need you to write about our love story. Mm-hmm. And when I went to onsite and that I realized that I've lived my life with, he chose her, my book, I wanted to write my book and say, little H, he chose her, mm-hmm. but he capital H chose me. Mm-hmm. And so for you saying that confirms it. So thank you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Thank you, Holy Spirit. I believe in um, that. Um, Today I'm doing, I founded, like I said, an organization called Simply Grace. Today I am um, continuing raising my two beautiful children, Aiden and Zoe. Mm -hmm. I'm doing interventions now with a woman uh, named Christina Wanzelik, who is out of um, 
California and okay. um, full circle intervention. Okay. I'm going to train with her. I'm going to learn from, from what she's done. I'm going to really dive into that and, and prayerfully get into my book, really get, I want a ghost okay. writer. I want to, I want someone who will help me write yeah. that and um, speak about that to everyone who won't. Cause God has given me a gift of authenticity. Yes. I will talk about it. I will. And people look at me and think, Oh, she's a prima donna or whatever. When they get to know me yeah. and know my heart, I just want to do the right thing. Amen. So I am grateful. Um, you can reach me at Anika. I would love to tell my testimony anywhere. Anika.cooper at yahoo.com. Well, thank you so much for blessing us. And may God continue to richly bless. Thank you. And I want to leave you today with the love. I love you. The faith is in Christ Jesus. And the hope is found in the Lord our God. May God always richly bless you. Thank you for listening to From Beer to the Bible with host Irvin Lee. To learn more, visit FromBeerToTheBible.com. There you can catch past episode podcasts and find other resources. That's FromBeerToTheBible.com.